0: And welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Friend, Cousins from Under Center,
1: straight drop, it's another deep shot. Center of the field on, and on the run. 2015 10 touchdown.
0: And welcome to Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. And Mark Rosen, along with Kirk Cousins for Under Center. And Kirk, I'm, I assume it's was a much more serene Sunday night. You've talked often of, uh, you know, being a little on edge on Sunday nights after some of these losses, but uh, not just the plane ride home,
2: but the, just being back at home after finally breaking into the W column. It's absolutely right. And it's it's been several months since we've had a win in the NFL, you know, going back to the 2019 season. So uh, to get that feeling again, where you're on the plane home and you can just kind of sit there and enjoy the moment and uh take it in it's a great feeling you know wins in the nfl are difficult they take a great week of preparation a a great game for you know the three hours you're playing and um and when it all comes together and you get a win uh it is a thrill and uh, you enjoy it so sunday night was outstanding and um and now we move forward
0: you said a great week of, of preparation. Uh, take us through this highly unusual week that you just went through because TCO Performance Center was shut down to everyone on Tuesday and Wednesday. Tuesday, a very important day for the coaching staff. Wednesday, a really important day for all the players. Uh, how would, how did those uh, uh, adjustments, what were, they, what were they like to make as you as tried to get ready to play in, in Texas?
2: Well, first of all, so grateful now looking back a week, uh, seeing that nobody really tested positive to – you know that was the concern was that there could be an outbreak, and now the game being played is is up in the air, uh, and even beyond that could be up in the air. So we were kind of holding our breath throughout the week about, you know, is the virus gonna show up? and the fact that it it hasn't uh, is is a really positive thing. And then, in addition, we just kind of went back to the virtual mode that we had taken on in the off season. The coaches game planned, uh, you know, virtually. On Tuesday, and I'd have to credit our our video staff for the uh, the IT things they did to make sure that everyone could communicate with each other and meet virtually. And then um, we got our game plan as normal on Wednesday. We went over our game plan meetings, although they were virtual, felt very normal. And then the only thing we didn't do was hit the practice field. Uh, other than that, you know, two to two and a half hour window you'd normally have on a Wednesday, much of the rest of the day felt the same and As a result, when we showed up on Thursday, uh, we we had our game plan, and and we just needed to go out in the field and and put it into action. But uh, we had to grab a little more time on Friday and Saturday to get caught up, and by Sunday, uh, we had really gone through all the normal paces.
0: Speaking of testing, given what the Tennessee Titans just went through, and Uh, We're not quite sure when they're going to play again. Uh, Has that, uh, the protocols changed within the Vikings, like of the other teams? Are they testing you more? Are they testing you on game days? Has anything changed in the wake of what happened with Tennessee?
2: Well, certainly this past week it was different. Um, Once the news broke that the Titans had tested positive, a few players had, then it was, uh, we had to modify. So we needed to do the testing where the results come back immediately as opposed to waiting 24 hours. So we couldn't enter the building on. Uh, Thursday, Friday, or Saturday until we were completely cleared from that test. So we would test, go sit in our car, wait for anywhere from 20 to 45 minutes. And then once we got the okay that uh, we didn't test positive, we were allowed to go into the building and have a normal work day. And then uh, the day of the game, which actually we had not been testing on the day of the game, just to be able to focus on on the task at hand, uh, obviously in our unique situation, we were uh, tested on, on game day, um, I believe twice, if I remember correctly, once at the hotel and then again at the at the stadium. So there was increased testing. Uh, it wasn't very uh, intrusive. Uh, you know, we were able to just kind of do it quickly as we were on our normal routine. And, and I believe now, you know Monday or Tuesday coming away from the game, I believe we, we feel that uh, if, if we haven't had the positive test by now from the Titans game, then uh, then we're probably in the clear. So we were kind of holding our breath until early this week. And if we can make it through that, we felt it was, uh, you know, we were able to move ahead and get back to normal.
0: Yeah, the obstacles will be in front of you no matter uh, how you look at it. And I, it's up to you, as uh, you mentioned, up to each individual to make sure they're doing their due diligence. Let's, let's segue into the game itself, a very exciting one, 31-23. Uh, you have definitely settled into finding uh, as many ways as possible to simplify things, get the ball in the hands of, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, and of course, Adam Thielen.
2: Yeah, I think you just said it. Uh, you know, and some of that's just play calling. You know, I, I run the plays that are called, and if it's a handoff to Dalvin, it's a handoff to Dalvin. And he showed again on Sunday why he's a, an all pro running back um, and why he's one of the best players on our football team. So we just need to keep giving him opportunities because uh, he proves us right. And, and not only in the run game, but in the pass game. You know, I was great to see him get a, a screen. Uh, for us. that that got us a big first down in the red zone. And, um, you know, Justin and Adam, uh, obviously Adam is no surprise. People have seen what he can do for many years and and he's been able to continue that. But getting Justin going again for the second week in a row was great to see. And um, we're going to keep, you know, trying to build on that so that we can really be tough to defend, much like we have been in past years where, uh, you know, teams have to honor not only Adam, but another receiver. And and, uh, we believe Justin can be that guy. And then again, you add Dalvin in the past game. You had Irv Smith, Kyle Rudolph. Um, you know, Chad Beebe did some nice stuff for us in the slot. If you watch the tape, he's always separating and creating space, and he's open. So uh, we feel really good about those skill positions and what they can bring.
0: Kirk, you mentioned using Dalvin as a receiver on that screen pass. When you call that play, you know you're going to really irritate some defensive lineman that's rushing like crazy at you. And you, in all likelihood, are going to end up on your back. So you sometimes uh, pay the price for making that play work? is you have to hang out of the ball as long as possible till Dalvin clears, right?
2: Yeah, every screen is a little different. And the looks you get can can you know make for a different look on the screen, You know, depending on the coverage of the blitz. And uh, I believe they brought an interior blitz there, which made it tough on our line to know whether to take the D lineman or the blitzing linebacker. And at some point, they're bringing more than we have to block. So uh, I just know I got to retreat. You try to feel the rush, but not stare at the rush. Uh, keep your eyes downfield and then uh, make sure you dump it to Dalvin at the last second. And so that's what we were able to do. Got the ball out of my hands and and then certainly went to the ground. You know, as long as I'm not going to the ground too often, the hits won't add up. But uh, it's funny because our linemen at times when when I'm holding out the ball too long and they know that it's getting close, I'll hear them yell my name, Kirk, you know, kind of like, <laughs> look out. And uh, that was one of those. I heard somebody just scream my name, Kirk. So I knew it was time to get rid of the ball before anything worse happened.
0: As you uh, eventually took that seventeen to three, one of the key plays, the fourth and one, a called Kirk Cousins run play. Were you uh, surprised they made that? They called your number on that because there was no doubt you were taking it and and heading for that sticks at that point.
2: Yeah, that's a unique play that uh, we carry, you know, and and we got the right look, and and so when you have the right look you just trust your teammates to make their blocks you know when you only need to get a yard or two I feel I feel pretty confident that if it's well blocked I can get that uh and you know I would have loved to have been able to tiptoe down the sideline and get a lot more but uh that was all I could do and I was just so glad we converted because then we were able to you know stay on the field and have a chance at a touchdown
0: Kirk, how stunned was the Vikings' sideline uh, when Harrison Smith was ejected late in the first half? What, did you take a look at it on the scoreboard? Did they show it the helmet? The helmet hit. I know Mike Zimmer obviously wasn't happy with the ejection. He didn't mind the penalty because that could really have had a deflating effect on your football team.
2: Yeah, that's a great question. and uh, We've kind of lived this through the years playing pro football of, of players getting uh, you know, flagged for the hits, and and they're trying to protect quarterbacks. They're trying to protect receivers. They're trying to remind players to to play as safe as possible. I think it's really, really difficult for Harrison in that moment. He's leading with his shoulder, not his head, which is what he's taught to do, coached to do, encouraged to do. And then, you know, whenever a receiver changes his elevation, drops his head, it's it's difficult in the moment for a safety to know that. And so if you set your target at his midsection and then suddenly that becomes his head, there's not a lot you can do. You're, you're helpless at that point. You just know you need to make the tackle. And so I think in that situation, Harrison's only option is to is to not make a play, is to just stand there and trust that one of his teammates is going to make the tackle, make the play. Because at that point, uh, he doesn't know, you know where he can hit the guy safely uh, to avoid a fine and, and still make the play.
0: And I think you understand. I think Zimmer understands. You you, you take the penalty. You, you you take the hit. But uh, you know, targeting has become a a big word in college football. But it's not like you have two or three safeties like college football teams have. You're, you get every team gets pretty thin back there. So in order to throw someone out of the game, it, it to, to me it seems like it's really got to be an intentional you know two three yard jump into the guy's head. That that, that didn't seem to be the case with Harrison.
2: Yeah, I didn't even realize that was possible. I I hate to acknowledge ignorance there, but I didn't realize that a player could be ejected like that for a simple hit. And uh, um, I don't know that the punishment really fit the crime there, if there even was a crime. And uh, um, like you said, you know, the 15-yard penalty has just kind of become a normal thing in the league that, that, you know, Coach Zimmer said you, you have to take and move on. But to eject a player, not only does that hurt our team, but I also think of Harrison, I mean, as, and as Coach Zimmer said yesterday, he, he's so far from being a dirty player. It certainly wasn't a dirty play. He's just playing the game full speed and, and things happen. Uh, you know, you hate that to reflect on a guy as he has to walk off the field and, you know, kind of have that image of a player being ejected. It, it just does, didn't sit right with me, but hopefully, the, you know, the league can look at it and get it tightened down.
0: We'll be right back with more on Undersetter with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. From camo and cat food to tools and tires, you'll find it all at Fleet Farm. Your one-stop shop. Fleet Farm is a proud sponsor of Under Center. The Voyage delivers unprecedented
1: access to fans who will be able to get inside the office of Coach Mike Zimmer and have an insider's look and listen during his talks with the team. Viewers also hear directly from current Vikings who will be writing outcomes of games through their play on the field. Watch bi-weekly during the NFL season on the Vikings' digital and social channels, including Vikings.com, the Vikings mobile app, Vikings Now!, the team's Connected TV app, YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. Watch today and find out more at vikings.com voyage.
0: Well, the game had to go on, and Houston did cut the lead to 17-16. And What I'd like you to do right now is maybe break down the key drive where I thought of the game afterwards. You had a first and 10 in your 25. Uh, Dalvin Cook started out with a 13-yard run, again establishing the run, which was so successful, avoiding those third and long situations in particular.
2: Absolutely. Uh, When we're able to be in third and manageable, we really have been balanced whether we run it or throw it. And uh, I think that keeps defenses honest. I think it says a lot about our run game, a lot about our offensive line and their ability to get us a first down conversion on a third and three to four. But, uh, uh, you know, we certainly stayed balanced and certainly ran the football game long. And uh, that was really the foundation from which that drive or the rest of the game was built upon it when you start to add the play action and the bootlegs and uh, and the other throws
0: well you did take a second on second down. At, at, you did have one third and long it was third and 10 in the 38 maybe as uh, you were from the shotgun one of the biggest plays of this young season 23 yards to justin jefferson your your so-called 50 50 ball that this is where the trust that you can see that you've had you have right now with the uh, the rookie wide receiver just to go up and get it
1: third and ten from the Vikings 38. Cousins back to pass loops one right caught Jefferson great catch at the Texans 40 in double coverage big boy with a 23 yard grab and a Minnesota Vikings first down.
3: Oh wow, what a great what a great play it was he's covered by Lonnie Johnson Jr. the second year guy to Kentucky and Cousins puts that ball right over his shoulder. What an impressive catch by Justin Jefferson Paul coming back over the top jumping up going to get it what a this catch radius we heard about that when he was in college
2: and we're starting to see it now in the NFL.
0: Just a terrific play.
2: Yeah the Texans brought a a nice blitz on that play didn't have a lot of time and so uh, between the coverage and the pressure we were getting uh, he had to be the throw and um, like you said he did a tremendous job on a 50-50 ball making sure that it stayed with us and you know, you, you know, in man coverage in the NFL, windows are going to be tight. You know, very rarely are DBs giving up a lot of space in man coverage. And so uh, you make the tight throw, but you also have to have a receiver who can make the tight catch. And he did it on that play. And, uh, you know, that's one of those moments you look back on the game where if you have to punt there, momentum starts to slip. But if you can convert, get a nice gain, you know, it really does kind of change the, the complexion of the game at that point.
0: When he kept the foot on the on the pedal as well, because the next play was a 19-yard pass to Kyle Rudolph. We're not used to seeing necessarily Rudolph catching balls in that situation. Maybe more in the red zone. Uh, but yeah, I know you feel so much confidence every time you throw the ball to Kyle. It's like throwing it into a a bunch of pillows. He doesn't doesn't drop a ball.
2: <laughs> yeah, I call him the mattress because it's like throwing into a soft mattress. The way he absorbs the football so naturally, but. Uh... That was a big time trust throw. I don't want to live by those kinds of throws. You know, you mm-hmm. make those ten <laughs> times, and and a couple of them probably get intercepted just because it's a crowd and you're throwing off your back foot and you've got pressure in your face. And so, you you make them when you feel you can. Uh, but big part of it was Kyle Rudolph's on the other end of this throw, and he's going to make me right. He's going to find a way to haul it in, protect protect uh, me from it being an interception. And so. Uh, with a lot of trust in Kyle, I let that one go, and and he proved proved us right.
0: And then Dalvin followed up with six tough yards, doing a lot on his own. Then nine more yards on the left side, so he had a first and goal on the nine. I think the assumption was you're going to just keep pounding the ball and giving it to Dalvin and let it uh, let me hit the end zone. But first down. Uh, describe the play action to, to Adam Thielings. He broke in the middle of the field. The, the defensive back was grabbing his jersey, and six points for Minnesota.
1: First and goal Vikings from the nine. Eye formation behind Cousins. Play action straight in the pocket. To the end zone. Touchdown. Flag on the play. Thielen brought it in. Nine-yard score. And the Vikings lead. 23-16. Pending infraction.
3: I assume it's going to be a holding call on Bradley Roby. As Thielen came underneath. What a beautiful, a beautiful play action and that's what that's what Dalvin Cook does for this offense Paul when the defense and the underneath coverage has to honor the run which they do
2: the play fake and dump it in behind him yeah we got a nice fake Alex did a great job on the fake being able to sell run and then uh, stay in protection and uh, the safety went with Justin on his route so Justin was essentially doubled and uh, when Justin got doubled that meant that Adam was singled and so uh I felt Adam was the throw and just needed to drive the football to a place where he could make the play. Uh, couldn't believe he was able to bring it in with only one hand. I uh, was glad the ref saw that there might have been holding, but didn't need the call. Adam made the play and, um, you know, it, it was a great feeling to hit that and uh, be able to pull away a little bit and and start to create yeah. some breathing room.
0: Well, you could sense that uh, Deshaun Watson and Houston uh, were going to try to take advantage of the loss of Harrison Smith, and they did attack, uh, which led us to the fourth quarter, and uh, a third and six on the 31. Uh, You guys talked about it after the game. I know Justin Jefferson had kind of a good chuckle about it. You talked about it as well, the back shoulder toss and catch to to, to Justin for 25 yards. I know you've been around a lot of receivers. What, What opens your eyes, Kirk, about just four games into the season about this young man?
2: Uh, I keep going. I sound like a broken record. I keep going back to the fact that he's a natural wide receiver. And I think catching a back shoulder ball like he did yesterday is just another example of that. When you can run looking back at the quarterback, maintain your speed so that you're threatening a a DB vertically and then can react to a Mm -hmm. throw that's, you know, off target, if you will, like a back shoulder throw where you have to adjust to flip your hips, flip your eyes, your hands and make that play. It's just not easy to do. There's there's very few receivers out there who can be a threat vertically and be a threat to adjust on a back shoulder, especially when we hadn't talked about it. I was just doing that in the moment off of instinct, uh, and he then sees the ball and is playing off of instinct, and um, it was it was fun. You know, it's it's a thrill when you can do something like that off off uh, instinct, and you're both on the same page
0: yeah part of uh, part of that trust factor uh, going forward would be that Justin, because of his body control, would know how to even the throw was behind you behind him a little bit that he could come back and potentially draw a pass interference penalty because some guys are really good at, at selling that to the official and, and, and I don't know what that relationship is like and, and how you get that going, but is that something you work on at practice as well?
2: Yeah, I mean, you're always trying to be crafty and play the game within the game and and know, you know, every adjustment you can make. And certainly, you know, if a ball is, if if the defensive back is between you and the football, uh, you know, we even saw it in the Super Bowl. There was an enormous pass interference call on an underthrown ball that the receiver fights back for, fights through the defensive back. And as a result, it appears like it's pass interference. It was really just an underthrown ball, but it was pass interference then. And that's a spot foul and move the chains. So. There's all those things that vets can do and and young players can learn to do, and it it uh, ends up being you know those small details that can make a big difference.
0: Well, after that back shoulder reception by Justin, you kept uh, going at Adam with the passing game. Your uh, rollout, 26 uh, yard pass to Adam Thielen, and uh, he's got a lot of spring in his step after having a very frustrating year last year.
2: Well, it was great to get the edge. Uh, you know, was able to attack the line of scrimmage, which then gave me the chance to kind of survey my options. I had Irvin the flat for a possible completion. I had a crossing route coming and and then I had Adam on the corner and I still had the ability to run. So when you, when you get the edge like that on a bootleg and you have three eligible receivers plus the threat to run, it's kind of like a fast break in basketball and you're just looking for your best pass. And uh, I tried to let the play develop so I could find that best option and it proved to be Adam. But um, you know, when you look back really since 2018, I remember when I got here, Adam's been so consistently productive week in and week out. And if you remove the six or so games that he missed last year with the hamstring, I mean, it's been week in and week out, you know, he's been very, very productive. And so I think that says a lot about him as a player and, and the way he's been able to, you know, give our offense juice for a long time.
0: After Dalvin Cook ran 15 yards, he fell on the ball, kind of knocked the wind out of him, had to take himself out of the game. And, but you got a guy named Alexander Madison, and then just, who opened the offensive line, went in for the score to make it 31-16, to 16, and that's a nice uh, security blanket they have in the backfield.
1: First and goal, Vikings handoff Alexander. Madison up the middle, touchdown. Touchdown, Minnesota Vikings. No cook, no problem. It's Madison's first touchdown this season, and it's 30-16 to 16, Minnesota.
3: Yeah, I think the Vikings have finally broken the spirit of this front end and of the front end is, and especially you take a look at Brian O'Neill taking JJ Watt and just crumbling him to the ground. So a nice block up front. The offensive linemen have done their job. Dalvin Cook has been amazing all day, especially one-on-one and breaking tackles. I think Madison's the guy that's going to have to finish the rest of this game though.
2: Yeah, as good as Dalvin is, and he's the real deal, when you can bring Alex in as a compliment and, you know, you can run the ball with him. You can throw the ball to him. You can ask him to pass protect. It really helps our offense still operate on all cylinders. And and you don't want Dalvin leaving the game to become a tell or a tip to the defense as to what's coming next. And I think Alex's versatility and how dynamic he is as a runner really gives us the ability to just keep going. And I don't think defenses can, you know, Get too much of a tell with Dalvin out of the game. And I, I think that's a big help to us. And Alex is just a hard worker, great teammate. He's on the details. And so I love seeing him get touches and get a touchdown like he did because he's he's deserving of that kind of success.
0: Yet the game was far from over. Uh you mentioned afterwards as well that maybe you left one on the field as a third and six, a go route to Adam Thielen. Just missed him. Looked like he had maybe a step, half step on him. And that would have definitely finished you, but it helped open the door for them to come back and, and almost turn this game into overtime.
2: Yeah, I, I missed uh, two throws that really bothered me in the game. One was an out route to Justin on a third down that uh, made our field goal, you know, nearly impossible to hit. Um, if we can convert that throw to Justin, you know, now we're in better field goal range. We likely have a first down, and who knows what we could do from there. And that was in the third quarter, and then certainly in the fourth quarter, as you mentioned. Um, you know, that goal ball was was just a tad short and uh, could have ended the game. You know, and once you get down there, we would have had at least a field goal, uh, if not more, and, and could have run the clock down where it would have been difficult for the Texans to come back. So I was, you know, it was almost that bittersweet feeling coming off the field after the game where you, you were thrilled we had won, but you were frustrated that you had, had to ask the defense to get that stop when I felt like we could have just kept it in our hands and, and uh, made the play at the end.
1: Watson takes the snap, goes on a five-step drop to the end zone, and it's caught by Will Fuller, a one-handed catch. Are you kidding me? Touchdown, Texans. Will Fuller tapped the ball to himself with his left hand, and the Texans are a two-point conversion from tying the game. Well done, Will Fuller.
0: What was the the discussion like uh, when Will Fuller caught that ball that looked like it was a touchdown, and then the, the officials ruled that he didn't maintain possession you're looking at the scoreboard. Did you know within a couple of seconds that was incomplete? What, what was happening on the sidelines?
2: A lot of thoughts were going through my head. First of all, before the snap, you see cover zero, and you know the ball's got to come out, so you know we're going somewhere quickly. And uh, you know, Watson threw a great ball up to Fuller, and uh, when Fuller only went up with one hand and it got tipped, I thought, you know, we got a shot here. And then when he was able to bring it in, I assumed he caught it. I mean, I just assumed his knee hit before the the uh, ball did and and it was hard to tell you know and then they played the video replay and there was you know that that feel on the sidelines of maybe this isn't a catch and then i saw kyle rudolph uh, not only waving incomplete but jogging out to where the ball was you know uh, assuming that it was going to be our ball and turnover on downs and kyle's usually on the details of that stuff he kind of has a feel for if it is incomplete or complete he knows and so when he sprinted out there and stood out there uh, Setting the huddle, I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be on Kyle's side here, and I think we got a shot. So I was, I was uh, relieved to hear the call, and then it was just a matter of taking a couple of kneels and, uh, and being done. But um man, I, I felt terrible having to ask the defense to, to play out that drive when I knew we, very well should have just finished the, the game ourselves on offense.
0: Well, another fine example of what a thin line it is between winning and losing in this league. The Tennessee game. Nonwithstanding, the same type of situation, the frustrating end to that game for the Minnesota Vikings, and, and then being able to pull one out in the road and maybe catapulting to better things down the road here. So uh, 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 Any win's a good win, as they say in the NFL, right, Kirk?
2: <laughs> That's exactly right. When you think about how hard-fought they are, how uh, every team has great players, every team has great coaches, the margin for error is so small. If you can come out with a win, you'll take it, no matter how you got to do it.
0: And we'll be right back with our Vikings guest of the week, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe, right here in under center with Kirk Cousins presented by Fleet Farm. Subscribe to the official
1: YouTube channel of the Minnesota Vikings to get all the latest video content from the Vikings Entertainment Network. Watch segments from TV shows such as Vikings Game Plan and Vikings Connected. Catch original digital programming like The Voyage and Vikings Postgame Live. Hear from players and coaches plus more. Visit vikings.com slash YouTube to
0: subscribe today. And welcome back to Under Center with Kirk Cousins. And Kirk, we have a very special guest, defensive end Yannick Ngakwe. And I'll just start it off by asking you, Yannick, how many different ways have you heard your name pronounced since even coming to Minnesota? Man, since
4: not even coming to Minnesota, since I've been born, you know, I've been having uh, people going from Yannick to Yannick to you know. But uh, everybody usually calls me Yannick. Just keep it simple. But you know, it's okay. I'm not too bothered with it.
0: Well, there was a famous tennis player yannick noah i remember uh, i covered many 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 years ago so that's, that's crazy I, that's crazy that's yeah. crazy you bring
4: you bring him up my mom actually named me after that tennis player <laughs>
3: no kidding
4: yeah that's crazy wow. you brought that up. yeah she's a huge tennis uh fan so she grew up in paris a lot and that's like one of the main sports and uh she was i mean he was her favorite player you know what i mean um she she loved the way he played and she was like i love this name so much so i'm going to name him uh unique yeah, <laughs> crazy. You mentioned that. Yeah, absolutely. I
2: love it. So many, so many talking points here. First of all, thanks for joining us on the show. And uh, thanks for coming to the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, yeah, uh, you it. know, I, I made the transition in 2018 from, from another team over here to Minnesota, but I had uh, OTAs, the summer training camp to get adjusted. You had to come in, you know, right before the season starts, make a tremendous transition, which I'm aware of moving across the, the, the country, getting adjusted to a new place learning a new system. Uh, how has that been? And I would guess it's been challenging, but to kind of talk about that process.
4: It's been tough, you know, Kirk. I mean, like you said, you're familiar with it yourself. You know, uh, just getting acclimated and not even just learning a new defensive playbook, but, like, just, you know, having a, a new training staff, a new routine, trying to find your uh, routine. That's real difficult, and not having uh, – those those weeks of camps and those OTAs to just, you know, that's the time you use to get adjusted. It was uh, pretty tough. So I just leaned on God to, you know, guide and direct me through this process, and it's been great.
2: Yeah, well, you've made a a great uh, transition on the field. It's been fun to watch you. I remember we practiced against you back in 2018, my first year with the Vikings in training camp. And I could feel you. I always say that a, a mark of a great pass rusher, a great defensive lineman is if, as a quarterback, I can feel you. Maybe I'm getting the ball out and you're not getting a sack. Maybe you are. But if I'm feeling you, you're, you're having an impact. And I, in practice that week, the two, three days we practiced against you, I felt you. Uh, on bootlegs, I felt you in third down on drop back. And so I knew you had some juice when we uh, when we picked you up. But uh, Man, talk a little bit, little bit about the first few games and kind of getting your feet under you and some of the plays you've made, like the the uh, sack on Phillip Rivers, the sack on Tannehill, um, kind of the impact you're making.
4: Uh you know, uh, I feel like the impact I'm making is uh, – I give a lot of credit to, you know, Coach Dre. He's helped me out a lot, just get me acclimated uh, to the new scheme. But also, you know um, – the first few games, you know, the first one, it, it, you know, kind of sucked because I didn't I didn't feel like I had made an impact to help this team win. You know, uh, Aaron Rodgers was sitting uh, too pretty back there in the pocket, and as a pass rusher, we were supposed to be able to affect the game. And uh, going on to the two other games, you know, um, you know, offense helped us out a lot, putting us in situations where we could rush the passer, and, you know, I'm just trying to get the ball out and give you another chance, you know, to go score some touchdowns.
2: Yeah, no, you've done a great job. It's been fun to watch, and... Uh uh let's back it up a little bit i lived in washington near washington dc for six seasons playing for for washington and i love the city i understand that's really where you're from where you went to school and then where you ended up going to college playing at at the university of maryland talk about your upbringing in dc and and your experience going through high school you know your recruitment and and your decision to kind of go to maryland tell us about that early football journey
4: oh that early football journey you know um I uh, started at Friendship Collegiate Academy, you know, Minnesota Avenue, Northeast D.C. Uh, it's, a, it's, a tough, it's a tough environment, you know what I mean? But the thing about that culture that we built, uh, all the guys that were on the football team, we we treated each other like family, like brothers, and we sent a lot of guys to Division I schools. And, um, you know, what ultimately made me uh, choose the University of Maryland College Park is uh, growing up in a single-parent home, you know, having your mom really is the only family you really truly have, so... Um, It just made sense to me to, you know, go to uh, the University of Maryland and also the scheme that they ran at the time was a a 3-4 defense and the defensive coordinator uh, that was there at the time, Brian Stewart, he was the um, old defensive coordinator for the uh, Dallas Cowboys. So the scheme fit me perfectly and uh, it helped me excel to get to this point in my life.
2: Now, you were three and out, right, at Maryland? Yes, that's, that's pretty nice. Yeah. I had to uh, toil away for five years before I got to the pros. So good for that's you for going right. three years hey. and getting it done.
4: <laughs> as, long as, we, as long as we get here, it doesn't matter how we
2: got here, man. You know? oh, I love it. That's awesome. Yeah.
0: Yannick, I want to know how you developed your style, not just trying to sack the quarterback, but your ability to strip the ball. I mean, there have been some phenomenal, I think of the great Reggie White, some others who have uh, maybe uh, you've looked at and, and filmed or whatever, but how did you develop that technique that you uh, really pride yourself on?
4: Well, I always uh, loved the rush to rush the left tackle side because that's the quarterback's blind side. And I would always get sacks. But, uh, you know, I had college coaches uh, back at University of Maryland that challenged me to say, well, you're getting back there, but why don't you be a difference maker and try to get the ball out? So it's been instilled and ingrained in my, in my mind and my brain since then to any time I'm past the point of contact with the offensive tackle and I have a clear shot to make a sack, don't go for the sack, go for the ball because it's still going to count as a sack, but you give your offense another opportunity to get on the
0: field. With the Neil Hunter out uh, for an undisclosed time, you've had to develop a relationship as well with Avadi Adenabo. And if you could speak to sort of that chemistry you guys are trying to develop on the fly since, as you mentioned, didn't have the OTAs or the regular training camp. Oh, yeah, man.
4: He's, uh, he's actually one of the guys as well, you know, that welcomed me in, with we'll open arms, and um, we're still trying to get our feel for each other as far as rushing with each other. And I would definitely imagine that things will pick up uh, as a unit. Uh, within these next few weeks because we all, we got our timing down together.
2: That's awesome. Yeah. I, I was speaking of uh, the, the, the fumbles that you can create. Uh, we were talking about that on the bus on the way to the the game in Houston uh, as a quarterback. I know uh, that's my first fear when I'm in the grass, I'm thinking two hands on the ball and please don't try to go for the strip sack. Uh, I I am relieved when I get up from the sack and know that the guy really just tried to bring me to the ground. and didn't try to, to uh, dislodge the football. So that's what I was telling you on the bus was, uh, you know, go for that ball, get the fumble. Uh, like you said, you get the sack anyways, and uh, and you give us a chance to get back on the field. On
1: third and 10, Vikings leading 17-9, early third quarter, snap to Tannehill. Blitz is on, Ryan, it's a strip sack by Ngokwe. It's definitely a sack, or was it a strip sack? But Ngokwe got around the corner in a hurry.
3: And we head to Ben Lieber. Guys, we talked about what's going to get Ngakwe going. Well, you got to get in third and long situations where he can show off his speed. And that's what he just did right there. Get a lead. Put your defense in good situations by being great on first and second down. And he comes flying off the edge. And he Superman swats with his right hand to get the ball out.
2: I just thought it was special watching you go around Tannehill and literally jump and reach around I mean that it had a grace to it that I I just thought was entertaining to watch so hopefully we can be seeing more of that and uh Absolutely. And, and so glad you're a Viking
0: looking ahead to Sunday night uh, you've got to chase around a guy named Russell Wilson and we know how uh, elusive he can be and uh, when you look at him on tape what are the challenges that you face in particular try to stay disciplined at the same time trying to put pressure on him
4: uh you know I played against the Seahawks uh in 2017 and uh that quarterback, you know, he's he's similar, I would say, as far as um, being frantic and moving in a po- pocket like uh, Deshaun Watson. So, as a pass rusher, uh, as a defensive lineman, uh, you have to just continue to uh, rush and, and, and uh, scratch, scratch your way to him, uh, and don't think that the ball is thrown because that's the easiest way for them to have explosive plays. Uh, so, basically, just continue to keep working and give an effort, and you can get back there to him. He's a guy that likes to extend plays, and quarterbacks that like to extend plays often give themselves up. Uh, up for uh, sacks and strip sacks as well.
0: You are only 25 years old. How do you see the arc of your career going right now and and, uh, uh, down the road as as far as when you think you can peak in the NFL? Uh,
4: You know, I'm just taking it a day at a time. (laughs) Um, A day at a time, but my ultimate goal is to definitely, you know, be talked about as a gold jacket guy, and I'm just trying to work on every little uh, intricate part of my game that I can and uh, just look up when it's all said and done and see where I'm at.
2: It's exciting to be only 25 years old and have that kind of uh, foundation underneath you as a pro. I, uh, I'm i jealous. Again, five years in college, I was barely even a second-year player and I was 25 years old. So uh, talk a little bit about, you know, now you're coming into week five. So every week, I would think, is, you know, another level of comfort, getting your bearings. You know, do you feel like, you know, week five, you're just a more confident player, understand the scheme better than week one or week two? Yeah, definitely. Um,
4: week one, you can tell, you know, it's a huge jump in film if you just turn on the film from week one all the way to where we're at now, and I would truly imagine that um, definitely by this week, you know, it should be an even bigger jump than this last game that we had, not just individually, but as a team. Because I feel like uh for certain that we played, like Zim said, we played definitely like a team. We looked like a good team yesterday, and I want us to look like a great team coming up no. Sunday
2: night. Yeah, no doubt. How about an off the field? In terms of, I mean, I know when I left Washington, you've got bodywork people, you've got the place you rent to live in. You kind of have your rhythms of where you've been. Coming to Minnesota, how has that transition been off the field? Finding a place to live, finding people to do life with.
4: You know, it's been crazy. I can't lie to you, Kirk. Man, I, <laughs> I'm just, I'm just thankful I found a fully furnished spot, man. It's, <laughs> it's, 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 it's been tough, but you know, I adjusted well. Got a nice little spot in downtown, and I got my puppy with me, so I'm just. I'm walking him every, every day and having people walk him for me. So that was the biggest thing for me, making sure he was good, man.
2: Yeah, I think many listeners don't realize how many other pieces there are when you uproot yourself and move across the country. You just see on ESPN, he's on a new team, he wears a new helmet. But there's so many other pieces that go into it while he's trying to get caught up to speed on what he's got to do here at work. So... Uh, there's a lot of moving pieces, and uh, uh, to your credit, you've handled it really well. And uh, and as you can tell in this conversation, you take care of your business and your pros pro. And we're lucky to have you.
0: Appreciate you, Big Doc. And special thanks to our guest Yannick Ngakwe. And we'll be right back to preview Week Five against the Seattle Seahawks on Under Center with Kirk Cousins, presented by Fleet Farm. It's game day any day. Play the new Vikings scratch game from the Minnesota Lottery with a top prize of $100,000. Are you game? Just say, I'm in. Get more details at mnlottery.com. Mark Rosen back with Kirk Cousins. Time to turn the page and, and, and look towards Seattle this week. The 4 and O Seattle Seahawks, Kirk. And uh, I guess more than anything, you're just looking for a normal week after what happened last week in terms of preparation.
2: Yeah, and we're ready for curveballs. Uh, you know, 2020, you're kind of expecting a curveball. So... Um we'll get back to work, uh, you know, head out to Seattle on Saturday. And, uh, we played there at night, I think each of the last two years. So that'll make it three years in a row now. And, um, you know, the third time needs to be a charm. So it's a good football team. Obviously they've, uh, got a lot of core players who have been there for almost a decade and, uh, they have a certain brand of football that they play and they do it well. And, um, you know we're excited for the opportunity to go up against them and, and at their place and and look to get, get look to get a win
0: well the one big difference uh, at least from a, a, an aesthetic standpoint they won't have to worry about the tw- so-called 12th man there there won't be fans in the stands and I, I mean always hear that that makes it the loudest stadium in the NFL is it that much more uh, difficult for an opposing team to
2: walk in there it's uniquely loud, I think, between the fans and the pride they've taken it and then the way the stadium's built, there's a ringing effect. So it certainly is loud in a normal season. It'll be unique to play there and I believe, what will be an empty stadium. Um, you know, playing in the Superdome in the playoffs, I'd tell you, was, was as loud as I've ever played in, but uh, Seattle's right up there. And so uh, not having to negotiate that noise will make for a different feel.
0: Well, the Seahawks' defense has uh, given up a lot of yards, but they did held, hold Miami to uh, five field goals, no touchdown passes from uh, Ryan Fitzpatrick in their game on Sunday. A- at first blush, Kirk, are you're pretty familiar with this defense, what makes their scheme so effective despite all the roster turnover that they have like a lot of other teams?
2: Well, I do think that the scheme is strong. I think the way that they play zone defense, uh, the way they can uh, pressure the quarterback with four, um I think their linebackers you know Bobby and KJ who have been there for I think Bobby's in his ninth year now uh you know they've played at a hall of fame level for several years now and I think they you know even though there's been change around them uh they they have been a very centering piece of that defense for a long time and um you know they they certainly have had some names and faces change but the consistent thing they've done is they've had good football players you know they 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 bring in good football players, and if if one leaves, they find another one. So, um, you know, and it's changed. They even had different coordinators, and, and the scheme does evolve a little bit year to year in terms of the number of times they blitz and how much man they play versus zone and how much it's single high versus split safety. It changes a little bit from year to year, but, you know, the culture's really been there for well over a decade now with Coach Carroll, and um, they've done a great job, and we have a lot of respect for them.
0: I was going to say the one constant has been uh, Pete Carroll, who I remember here as an assistant coach with the Vikings many years ago, and he's a a very spry, sixty-eight, sixty-nine years old right now, and he doesn't look like it. And that enthusiasm seems to rub off on his players.
2: Yeah, they do play with uh, with a lot of energy, a lot of passion, um, and I know that really starts with him and his his uh, leadership style. So. Um... You know, it's a it's a team that's done a lot. You know, they've they've had a lot of success through the years, and uh, and certainly this season. And so, we look forward to a challenge of going up against a, you know a really good football team like that.
0: Well, this is a wonderful opportunity. Maybe that's the key word to have a, a signature type win on the road when uh, no one's going to give you much of a chance of winning to really change the complexion of this season on Sunday night.
2: Certainly, and that's the way it it goes in the NFL. If you can. You know, string together a, a win in Houston, and then uh, you can find a way to get a win on the road in Seattle. Suddenly, you feel like you're right back heading in the right direction. So, um, we understand that opportunity in front of us, and uh, and we got to have a great week of work, and then put together a great game. And um, you know, we believe uh, with with the right uh, effort, we can get it done.
0: With the uh... Offense centered around the three guys we've talked about with Dalvin Cook and the two wide receivers. You mentioned Irv Smith Jr. People He's such an interesting target. A young player still trying to find his mark. Just waiting for the right opportunities to see him get isolated on a linebacker and maybe open up the offense a little bit more to give you that one other option that teams haven't been able to concentrate on yet.
2: Yeah, I think it's a combination of factors. I, you know, we've been averaging maybe between 20 and 25 pass attempts a game. I think if you're throwing the ball 40 to 50 times a game, like some teams are doing, that's a double the opportunities to to get Irv Smith the football and other guys the football. So the opportunities are a little bit reduced. And then there are times where, you know, Irv is open or Irv could be a throw, but we went elsewhere. I think of the bootleg where I threw the corner out to Adam. You know, I could dump it to Irv in the flat, but decided to go for something more and and worked Adam, you know, and that doesn't mean that Irv's not open or that he doesn't deserve to get the football, but um, you know, there was also a play down the field to Adam that we're going to take. Uh, I think of the the go ball, you know, on the essentially the last offensive play of the game. Um, you know, Irv's open on a on a basic route over the middle and it's a credit to him for getting open versus man coverage, but uh decided to work Adam down the sideline and Adam's open as well and so some of it is just, you know, when you, whoever you decide to throw to, making sure you hit those throws, and uh, and then just keep coming back, knowing that as long as you have players who are capable of separating and bringing juice to the offense, that's what gives gives me comfort. And I know when I look out that Irv Smith's on the field, if teams want to play man coverage, you know you feel really good about what he's going to be able to do to separate.
0: Kirk, I get questions from listeners once in a while. One of them wanted me to ask you. Uh, do you ever change your cadence at the line of scrimmage? We see the Aaron Rodgers of the world trying to drop the defense off sides to, you know, to try to force that uh, their hand at times. Uh, is that something you work on at practice?
2: Certainly. Yeah, we have on you know third down, we'll really mix up our cadences to try to slow down the pass rush, whether it's a hard count or a quick count. Uh, and on first and second down, we'll go on the quick. I think we started this past game with two or three straight plays on a quick count just to try to catch the defense off balance. And so... You can use the long, drawn-out cadences to try to catch a defense off, but you can also go quick and try to catch them napping. So we use both, and then obviously you use your standard cadence as well. And I think it's important to just keep the variety going so that the defense can't get in any kind of rhythm as far as timing up the snap count.
0: Now, if you score touchdown this year, are you going to follow in Adam Thielen's footsteps and do the, the gritty? <laughs>
2: I don't think so. Uh, I, I danced a little bit when I scored the last couple of years, and I think the reaction I got. I'll, you know, take the feedback and just keep it simple from here on out. Probably not a lot of dancing from me going forward. Well,
0: good luck this Sunday in Seattle. Sunday night football. Good luck, Kirk.
2: Thanks, Rosie.
0: And thank you for joining us for this week's episode of Under Center with Kirk Cousins. Under Center is presented by Fleet Farm.